Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello. Um, my name, my name is Johnny Cash. And this is wonderful. I did sort of a mixture of like Johnny Cash, but also Borat. Did you like that? Because my voice sounds so wild and I started to talk and I realized, hey, this is kind of not a bad Johnny Cash. But then it turned into a Borat, but then I saved it with going back to Johnny Cash. Most things with you turn into a Borat, I've noticed. That does happen, but that's because yeah. of, of my affliction. And you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. borat <laughs> I got it. I went to the movie theater and I saw it. And uh, yeah, let's just say a curse was laid upon me that day. And I talk about Borat a lot. I apologize. My voice sounds like um, like a trash compactor trying to compact another trash compactor. Ooh, I think is what I would. Yeah, that's apt. Yeah, it sounds like um, it sounds like a a bunch of broken glass rolling down a mountainside mm-hmm. is what I think it kind of sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for that. But we're here, and we're going to do an episode wonderful for you, like we are contractually obligated <laughs> to do. No, that's not true. We do it because it's fun, and we love each other. In that right, that is um, both. Both are true. Do you still love me, even though I sound like Tom Waits, sort of coarser, older brother, Ron Waits? <laughs> I do. His like deep, even more baritone brother, Ron Waits. Yeah, I do actually. Do you think uh, he ever says Tom Waits for no man? Like if somebody's like running late for like oh, um, that's good. like a, you're supposed to meet him at a movie, and he goes Tom Waits for no man. He says. And then everybody loves it. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I'm high on Dayquil. Mm-hmm. It could also be like, um, oh, excuse me, are you waiting for this? It's like, no, I'm, I'm Tom Waits for this. Yeah, and they'll be like, no, I know. What are you waiting for? There's a lot of really good sort of comedy mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think we should go back to Borat because that's really yeah, that's where I really your operate. Core competency. Um, uh, wizard sleeve do you want to tell me about a small wonder that you have i do actually go for it uh so on the youtube yeah um wired are you familiar with wired sure they have this autocomplete interview series it's like 80 plus videos and it's usually one or two celebrities promoting a movie and they get on and they type their name or somebody types their name into google and so it'll be like Tom Hanks is, and then they'll rip off the little thing, and it'll complete what the the filter is. And so the celebrity is there, and they are responding to a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions are like, Mila Kunis is vegan? Question mark. Or, where is Mila Kunis now? And so you get to see these like celebrities answer these fun queries about them. I enjoy it. That sounds fun. It is fun. Uh, I want to say uh, Stardew Valley is on iPhone now, and I'm just, that's it. That's all you get of me, usefulness. <laughs> that's all the sort of productivity you get out of me. You've gotten, this is the last podcast sort of thing you're going to get, I think, out of me, Griffin Macro. I hope you've enjoyed my career. Thank you for sticking along for the ride. If you were going to a desert island. Yeah. And it came down to Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. Oh, damn. Which do you bring? Probably, and mm, hmm, I know which Animal Crossing because there's been like nine of like my favorite, the best one. Yes. Shoot. Well, here's the thing: if I'm living on the island, 
I'm basically already doing Animal Crossing. So I'm going to say Stardew Valley. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Hey, do you want to let me talk about my first thing? I do. Okay. My first thing is jumping in a big old pile of leaves. Oh, that's nice. I can see my sound waves while we record. I've never quite seen mine so spaced this far apart before. It's like my microphone is picking up the individual clicks that my vocal cords make as they slap together like two big wet pieces of meat. (laughs) But anyway, I want to talk about jumping in a big old pile of leaves. We uh, went on a fun trip together with our son up to Ely, uh, Minnesota, is like four hours north of Minneapolis, and had a fun little cabin weekend when we came back. All the leaves have fallen. There's a nice leaf pile, and Henry just played around in those leaves, and it was so majestic, so wonderful. It was such a fun, cute time and a really great photo op. It was, it was adorable to watch him figure out kind of what one does with leaves. Yes. He had never really played with leaves before and seeing him be like, oh yes, these are great. This is like fun confetti that uh, <laughs> the earth makes. It's just good, man. Jumping a pile of leaves just sort of concentrated good. Um, it's remarkable that essentially tree hair turns into a stunt cushion once a year. Do you know what I mean? A stunt cushion. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like it's wild. Yeah. And that's, that's, <laughs> if you really abstractly think about it, like you're having fun with this big pile of leaves and the tree just made those. If I asked you to describe it a different way. Yeah. Do you got another one in the chamber? Um, it's like, um, forest dandruff that turns into jump zone. Okay. Anyway, um, I just, seeing him splash around in those leaves really took me back to just simpler, better times. Uh It's just such a classic autumnal activity that I used to enjoy quite a bit because growing up in West Virginia, there are trees for days. Trees for days, I say. And they would all shed and I would jump right into them. I did Mm -hmm. so much leaf pile jumping. I was not a very outdoorsy kid or teenager or young adult or adult. (laughs) I will not be an, I will not be an adventurous outdoorsy grandpa, I bet. I would like to raise an outdoorsy child. Though. This is a good city to do that in. But I did do leaf pile jumping because mm-hmm. it was so fun and it was so rewarding. There are also, so there's a, is a controversial topic. There's a lot of controversy about this topic because a lot of people say don't jump in the leaf pile because if it's wet, it can get moldy. And also you don't oh, know if there's man. bugs in there. And also you don't oh, know if there's man. debris in there. And here's the thing. Can I tell you, I was stifling those instincts as he was doing it. I know, me I too. Was, I was thinking like, this might end up being gross for him. But I was like, you know what? Don't be that person right now. Don't be that person. I feel like this. Caught, there was a buzz like 2016. There was a <laughs> lot of buzz as if we needed more things to be buzzy about in 2016. <laughs> that was like no more leaf piles. I remember seeing an article that was like, do a scarecrow instead. Shut the, fu- shut, sh- shut the front door with that kind of dookie garbage. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's a completely different thing. You're like making a fake guy. Unless to scare you lay the bird. scarecrow down on the ground and jump on and you. jump on it. I don't want to scare birds, internet. It's like take care of your young ones, but scare the shit out of birds. They didn't do anything either. But anyway, I was trying to find scientific reasons for why jumping in leaf piles is good. I had some trouble as you might imagine. <laughs> 
I'm sure there's some sort of like psychological benefit. It's fun. It gets the endorphins pumping, blood pumping, good activity, the good The crickly exercise. crackly sound. The crickly crackly sound is like ASMR. What I found though, the scientific reason to do it, crushed leaves decompose faster than whole leaves, which leaves less time for those leaf piles to develop mold and diseases and, and stuff in them because they decompose faster because you crushed them all up with your bod. And that's and that's science right there. And that is the reason to run into your neighbor's yard and say, "I'm going to jump in these just to just to save save you from some mold." Well, you shouldn't. You should. The only reason you shouldn't jump in a leaf pile is if the person who just sorted it into a pile asks you specifically not to do it. But even then, come on. I don't think they can blame you, right? It's a good leaf pile. Mm-hmm. One time I went down a slide into a leaf pile when I was visiting my nanny's house, a spider bit me right on the hand. It got so big and fat. And I, I will admit I got out of the game a little bit for a while after <laughs> that. But it's been long enough that now I can say leaf piles are good. Just keep your hands out of them. Because mm-hmm. spiders love these So guys. when you jump in, you're yeah. suggesting mm-hmm. hands up over the head? Yeah. Like I mean, you're, you should be doing that anyway. Because you're having a fucking great time jumping into the leaf <laughs> pile. Uh, anyway, I love leaf piles. What's your first thing? My first thing is friendship. Okay. We are really getting <laughs> really, really very, very abstract. I was surprised we hadn't talked about friendship because I feel like I distinctly remember you making a lot of friends goofs when we were on the show. And I assumed it came from us talking about friends. Friends, the TV show? Yes. Oh, I talk about friends a lot on this show? I feel like you make a lot of friends references just in your day to day. I found out that I don't know how to, I'm sort of a day walker to make a blade (laughs) reference when it comes to Chandler. I say Chandler sometimes, I say Chandler sometimes. And I'm not entirely (laughs) sure which is the correct one, even though I've seen every episode of Friends, I bet. I don't know if it's Chandler or Chandler. This is like the... um, It's Chandler. It's like the Berenstain Bears. Oh my gosh. The uh, uh, Mandela effect. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is it Chandler or Chandler? Take a poll. It's Chandler, baby. It could be Chandler. It, There's chandelier. Yeah. Which is a real thing. I want to swing from the Chandler. <laughs> I still got it. Even when my pipes are really bad, I can still open them up and get some Sia out of them. Uh, so I bring this up because yeah. while we were in Minnesota, we were with some dear friends of ours. Uh, and I just felt very grateful to be at our age uh, when it get, becomes harder to have friendships as an adult, I think. I think starting at like 24, it starts becoming a lot harder to make friends. Yeah, when when you finish any kind of schooling that sure. you're, you're pursuing and all of a sudden your only, you know, adult contact is in the workplace, right. it becomes difficult. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to having friends. I, I, yeah, I imagined that, that was true before you listed off some but facts. some of them are health benefits. Oh, okay. Uh, in a 2010 meta-analysis that combined data on more than 308,000 people across 148 studies, researchers found a strong connection between social relationships and lifespan. Ah, oh, wow. The size of the effect rivaled that of better-known health-related behaviors such as smoking and exercise. Does that count like Twitter followers? Because I got a quarter million of those. I am Zool. I will live. I will outlive you all. No, babe. They're each my friend. I know them all by name. I have not tweeted in a month. Do you want to name just like, I don't know, like a hundred of them? Oh, yeah. There's uh, Dr. Pepperdick, 420. Yes. He is always cracking me up. Yes. Uh, There's uh, Chim... 
Chim chim chiru. <laughs> is the roo zeros? Yeah, it's all zeros. Okay, all... so I'm friends with the one that has the letters and not the zeros. Oh, that one sucks. Hey, nah, it's my friend. The zeros one is where it's at. He's got the best sort of like <laughs> political stuff going on there. Uh a 2015 analysis that compiled data on more than 3.4 million people across 70 studies uh, found that the absence of social connections carried the same health risk as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Okay. Science, I'm all about you, but sometimes <laughs> you do shit that is so wild because it's like... I lived in Chicago and I didn't really have any friends. Well, I had a, I, the people I lived with, but I didn't really make and a lot of friends there. A and bit. I smoked a bit. It was and a dangerous time for you. I guess so. I guess at that point, you can either have friends and smoke or not have friends and not smoke. Can I say when I met you yeah. after you moved here from Chicago, you did seem a little unhealthy. Yeah, but then I made friends. Mm-hmm. And now you're a, a, now I'm a vital, fucking vigorous vision man. of health. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. I'm I'm fucking. This is your healthy voice. This is my healthsome voice. The rest of the time I've been sick. I get very high high pitched and nasally when I'm sick. This is the 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 low baritone is kind of where I operate. I haven't been able to sing with my barbershop quartet for like fucking eight years now. Mm-hmm. What are the names of the people in your barbershop quartet? I haven't met them yet. Yeah, there's Skillet and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Busy Bill mm-hmm. uh, and. Scrote. What's the name of the alto? In the there? alto is Altone Brown. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, he thinks it's funny. I do <laughs> not. I tell him every time. I was like, your name sucks, dude. It really is Alton Brown. Uh, so as Griffin mentioned, it is hard to make adult friends. Uh, as a study published in 2006. Sorry, y'all. There's a boil notice going on. We all have to drink bottled water. I don't know how to do it quietly. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things you don't know how to do quietly, Griffin. Whoa, whoa. People had an average of about three friends they felt they could discuss important things with in 1984. By 2005, the average number of confidants had dropped drop to about two there's not it's not much more it can drop i feel like this is the countdown to the end of civilization if it hits zero at the end of the study close to 25 percent of respondents said they didn't have anyone they could trust oh my god triple the proportion from two decades earlier it is so bad it's bad out there guys but we have we have each other. I think we're lucky enough. We have each and other and we have wonderful friends. We have wonderful friends. We've had for a very long time. We've had now. for a very long time. It's so important to have. And I think that like I give internet a lot of shit. Um, and a lot of that I think is pretty well deserved. But I also think that it is an incredible way of like finding the, finding the communities that give you this kind of support. Um, and I don't know. I think that, I think that, I, I don't know. I was very, very antisocial in my like sort of traveling wandering days. But if I'd had something like that, I don't know. It probably would have been a lot easier. I have always been lucky to have a decent group of friends. That's true. Uh, but I will say that not all of them were especially decent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I am lucky. Uh, More fremenies, right? Fremenies? Frenemies. Mm-hmm. Leah Fremini. (laughs) Damn you. It wasn't even that funny, I don't think. It was. It was really fucking funny. (laughs) God, I take my fucking hoodie off for that. Um, So I I just wanted to bring it up because one thing... um, 
I've noticed when you develop like a real good lasting relationship is that you can just check in every once in a while. You don't have to be all on the ball, you know, like our friends that moved to Minnesota that we were visiting, we don't get to see very often. We don't get to talk to very often, but you know, just, just a few kind words here and there really, really make it last. I like to, because I'm uncomfortable a little bit with sincerity face to face. Oh yes. I like to send a good email every once in a while. that just says, Hey, here's some things that I appreciate about you. And I miss, I miss you. Yeah. When me and Scrote had the big fight, uh, Uh, We didn't talk for 26 years. But then I wrote him a really nice email. We were six when we started the group. Okay, in your barbershop. (gasps) You were six when you started your barbershop quartet. How much do I love the idea of six-year-olds? A six-year-old named Scrote? I'm not crazy about that. No, no, no. Doing a barbershop quartet together with the little red and white vests. Yeah, sure. Just harmonizing. That could be fun. It's definitely a lot more innocent than what I was suggesting. Friendship is great. Can I steal you away? I could see how low I can go with this voice. Yeah, I think I think you should take a crack at it. Let me see. Let me let me. I've been working on my scales in piano class. Let me start with the lowest I can do, and then I'll work down from there. Okay. What's that do it for you? I mean, I wanted to say it was good, but that would imply that I liked it. It was you can it can be good and you not like it. Okay, um, that's what it was then. It was like a tree of life for me when I saw that flick. I was like, yeah, good. Never again though. Mother, mother, father, fafa. Griffin. Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be 
the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain hey griffin yeah I got some uh, personal messages. Oh, you hacked into their accounts and you're going to read all their, just leak all their dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. This message is for Bruce, Hillary, Cheyenne, Zoe, Lily, and Caroline. Oh, you got the dirt on all them juicy. It's from Donnie. Hey, this is Donnie. Bruce, Hillary, Cheyenne, Zoe, and Lily. Y'all are like family to me and the best of people I could have around. I love you all. Just thought you should know. Caroline, it's been a wonderful six months at the time of this writing. Just wanted to let you know how much I love and appreciate you. Love you, Blady. And in parentheses, beautiful lady. Well, and also she has retractable blades coming out of her fingernails. Ooh. Yeah, like the Wolverine or the Death Stroke, Death Strike. There is another sort of X X man character who Anyway, do you have another message? I do have an another message. I am so sorry that my <laughs> My Dayquil mush mouth is so <laughs> offensive to you. <laughs> this message is for Jeffrey. It is from Lindsay. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, good. Jeffrey, do you want to go look at houses with me, Jeffrey? You are my sweet peach and my favorite boy. I'm so grateful to have you in my life with Maritime Bus as my witness. Just know that I'm sending you smooches and shooting you double finger guns. Oh, and Jeffrey, we should do this again sometime. It's a sweet message. That's a My Brother, My Brother Me reference. It's an old school one, too. Yeah. Is it bad I can't even see the word peach without thinking about, I could eat a peach for hours? I thought you were going to say the the Mario Brothers. No, I was doing the, the, was, Nicholas the, Cage? Other, the other one. I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> this voice makes that fun to say, doesn't it? <laughs> I could eat a peach for hours. Wait, let me try it. Yeah. I could eat a peach for hours. Damn it, that's really good, too. Mm. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And together we're the hosts of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. What does that mean for you, the podcast consumer? Well, it means that you're going to get a lot of stories about how we used to do weird stuff to people in order to try to fix them. Do you know that we used to think diseases were caused by bad smells? And that we used to eat mummies for medicine? That's super funny. I kind of like Well, thanks. And we hope you'll kind of like our show, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's available every Friday wherever fine podcasts are sold or at its beautiful, picturesque home at MaximumFun.org. All right. Yeah. Do you want to know my second thing? Yes. My second thing is Alien. And I'm not being like, I'm not doing like um, weird speak when I say that. It's literally the movie Alien. Oh, do you mean Alf? No. 
no. Okay. Yeah. Alien. Yes. Did they ever make an Alf movie? Because if not, they leave. They left. They did make a cartoon movie. They did, and they made like a TV special that was like movie length, and it was like how to keep kids off drugs, and it was like Bugs Bunny was in it, fucking Alf was in it, like everyone was in it. It was a free rental at Blockbuster. I watched that fucking tape a lot. <laughs> no, I want to talk about Alien, Alien the movie. The Sigourney I, Weaver? The Sigourney Weaver movie. And I rest. I wanted to bring a spooky movie. This is our last episode before Halloween. So I wanted to bring some autumnal ass stuff. And I wanted to bring a scary movie. And I was trying to think of like what's a good one that holds up well and, you know, is, is fun and, and important, I guess, to talk about. And when I think about it, man, I think Alien is the best is like the best of them it's certainly among the best of them i struggled with whether i wanted to bring alien or aliens because i enjoy both of those movies very 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 much Mm -hmm. in the same way if you've never seen them alien is a very slow burn uh sort of survival horror story yeah the first half hour of it if i remember is 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 a lot of setup and a lot of uh, a lot of like hard sci-fi and then it's a story of just like uh oh there's an alien on our ship what are we gonna do the second one is let's get the big big guns and go and kill all the fucking aliens hooah and it's fun too like it's still like a really really good flick but it's it's it is a lot different i landed on just talking about alien because i think it's i think it's a really i think it's a really incredible movie it came out in 1979 uh it was sigourney weaver's like first starring role and kind of launched her career uh so it is important in that sense what i find so fascinating i love horror movies i've seen them I've seen many, many, many of them. Uh, what I like about Alien is like it it set up this whole franchise, right? They've made a million Alien movies at this point. And I think Alien also sort of created its own, or not created, but sort of popularized this sci-fi horror genre that like, you know, uh, arguably like The Fly was a part of and, and, and all this. Really, Alien is a very like by the book horror movie. If you if you compare it to like uh, Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or like it it is kind of the same where it's like here's the characters here's the protagonist here's the setup for what the monster is now that's the first half of the movie second half of the movie is now that we've made this like sandbox let's let's see what happens yeah folks. it's just like nonstop after that um and I, it's so it's so fascinating like it doesn't really break from that tradition at all and so in that sense you kind of know what's going to happen next but it's still like extremely tense and really 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 scary well and the aliens themselves are like unlike anything really that's been was seen before you know yeah like like most i feel like most monsters were kind of very obviously people in suits sure in previous horror movies and that's not really the case with aliens i don't even know how they put those it was still a person in a suit yeah it was just just a really expertly made suit so the aliens are sort of the the highlight of this whole franchise right and uh what is what is really fascinating about them is there's a lot of things that are fascinating about them first of all like this movie spends a lot this 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 movie and alien spends a long ass time like teaching you the physiology of these aliens in a way that i think is really fascinating it's like you're you're taking like a biology class on these aliens while you're watching the movie it's like okay here's their their blood is made out of acid here is their whole reproductive cycle like every movie adds a new step to their reproductive cycle like and now you know all of this 
uh, and it sets you up for for what's about to happen. I feel like in the Jurassic Park got a lot from Alien when you think about it that way. Yeah, I think so too. You spent a lot of time discussing like how the dinosaurs work before you see the dinosaurs. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as for like the aesthetic of the Alien, because I agree, like you look at monster movies, any everything in the past, like nothing holds a candle to alien in the uh, first alien do you see like the little alien that comes out of the mouth of the bigger alien uh does that happen in the first movie it's I such a like so. iconic thing and I it's like it does fascinating to me yeah i like thinking about like a little griffin coming out of the mouth you of, like thinking about that of just like just like a, a little griffin with little glasses coming out of your mouth so like you lean in to smooch me and then like a littler griffin comes out and smooches me first you would enjoy that you're saying i I'm just exploring. Once. I'm exploring that idea. Oh, you want to? You want? You want to play? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Let's save this. Which save one this. of us is on the day call? That's what I'm. Yeah, wondering. let's save this pillow talk for later. What do you say? <laughs> so they were designed by H.R. Giger, uh, who? Oh. Yeah. So I don't know if, how much you know about his work. He's a, Sw- a Swiss artist uh, who basically just like who does a bunch of fucked up shit like i don't know how to describe his art except for like deeply 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 unsettling uh actually the alien was largely based off of this one painting that he had i cannot remember the name of it um i'll see if i can find it hold on okay he had this series of illustrations called uh necronom there's one called necronom 4 that he uh put out in 1976 that was just sort of this like surrealist monster essentially and if you come over and look at it real quick oh yeah it's got like the head and the big eyes and the whole i mean it does it's more dick like i would say way more (laughs) way more pp like for sure but that's a xenomorph essentially uh which is which is what the alien's called uh and like that's why that's why it looks so different right like you you tagged in this like surrealist swiss artist to design your 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 shit like that's incredibly wild for you that to is that is a, that is a wild thing for you to do um it's just like a wild investment but it's so clearly paid off right because it established this this thing as like a new thing to be scared of which is something that like horror movies still like struggle with and i think they always will is trying to say like here's the here's the new thing to be scared of it follows was so great because it's a new thing to be scared of it's a a, a source of terror that's never no, really and, been and aliens movie. got really hot after that movie i feel like into the 80s all of a sudden like everything was alien related uh yeah spaceballs well i'm talking like et et for sure the aforementioned alf uh, Alf is definitely inspired by Alien in so many ways, I feel like. Um, and then, you know, Alien Autopsy. You remember that one? Um, what? It wasn't a movie. It was like a television show where they dissected an alien. It's a TV show called Alien Autopsy? You just Google it real fast. I think it was on Fox. And the suggestion was that it was an autopsy of a real alien. This was a TV movie from 1995. <laughs> Rachel... You can't reference TV movies from 1995 starring Jonathan Frakes in it. Babe. That's a really deep, deep cut. That may be the deepest cut that's ever I been made. I was on... thinking it was a television show. It was a TV movie. Oh. That's a really deep pull. Uh, anyway, this movie rules. The aesthetic of like the whole movie um, 
the uh the the ship in the first movie like also looks really cool like they didn't try to like sci-fi it up it looks very much like if there were spaceships in the 1980s what they would look like like it was 1979 when this movie came out it was like they said what if there were spaceships in 1989 and let's see what that's like yeah, it, it looks very like uh, it looks th- there are parts of the ship that look like really comfortable and like lived in mm-hmm. and that makes it like all the scarier when that place is sort of violated by this uh, by this by this terrifying uh, unkillable monster that's very true and also I mean can we mention like how awesome Sigourney Weaver is like oh her, she's fucking like, awesome the character of Ripley and like the performance so good yeah uh, this movie is like top to bottom like uh it is it is this is i always feel shitty talking about like horror movies this way um where it's like well it's it's not just a good horror movie it's like a good good movie because that suggests that like we rate horror movies on a different scale but i also think that alien is maybe one of the best movies ever made and is also like very very scary and i want to watch it because we haven't this this spooky season yeah we haven't dipped tend to spooky but i'd be into watching alien let's do it what's your second thing though first my second thing playgrounds all right i have been really excited to have uh henry be at an age where he appreciates playground because i have always loved them i have too did you have one growing up that was like your spot I mean, there was a church near my house that had a playground that I used to like to walk to and like hang out with with friends when they came over. Nice. And they were cool with that? The church? Yeah. Well, as far as I know. Okay. I mean, you know, I didn't like knock on the door and ask them if I could use their playground. Okay. Uh, I like always get excited to go to one. I don't know if you have that experience. Like when we take Henry to the playground, I'm like legitimately psyched to be there. Uh, yeah, I do for mm-hmm. sure. I, especially like going to a new one, seeing what kind of playground innovations, because there certainly are some playground innovations. That's very true. They're actually much safer now. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a zip line at my old playground now, which wasn't there before. So that seems demonstrably <laughs> unsafe. Uh, so playgrounds actually uh, started in Germany in 1850. Um, the founder of kindergarten, Friedrich Froebel. Uh, promoted the importance of free play as well as nature play for children. His model kindergarten plans emphasize the need for opportunities for contact with natural materials. The kindergarten movement spurred the use of sandboxes in German schools and homes. Interesting. So that was like the touching natural materials idea? Sandbox is like is like where it all started. Uh, the introduction of, quote, sand gardens to America was prompted by Dr. Marie Zakruska, who, while visiting Berlin in 1885, observed children's playing in heaps of sand. Uh, She wrote a letter to the Massachusetts Emergency and Hygiene Association, which resulted in a large heap of sand being placed near the uh, West End Nursery in Boston. (laughs) Can you imagine all those Bostonian kids? Just a little pile of sand. So we're um, we're just supposed to... Just get in there? Jump in. (laughs) Get in there? We're just supposed to jump in the sand? I mean, is it any better or worse than a leaf pile? It's probably a lot uh, worse because it's a lot harder. It's sand. Well, you can build stuff with sand. That's true. Uh, so she... Uh, I wanted to do a Boston accent there, but I complete, I've forgotten how a Boston accent sounds. Um, ah, but yeah, is you, you just want me to jump in the si- sand? I'd be so terrible if you couldn't have remembered that. <laughs> 
You want me to jump on the sun? <laughs> okay, you're getting in a weird place now. Boston, baked beans. Boston, baked beans. Oh, Red Socks. So by 1899, there were 21 sand gardens. Uh, (laughs) It's just like Wikipedia is just like, we know exactly how many sandboxes there were in existence uh, 119 years ago. So shortly after, in 1905, Henry S. Curtis, who was the director of the D.C. Playground System, and Luther Gulick, who was the director of physical education in the New York City school system, joined together to form a National Playground Association, uh, which uh, was officially formed at the YMCA in D.C., Uh, And it was designed to promote ideas of playgrounds to communities, including benefits, construction, layout and design, and the conduct and activities to occur on the playgrounds. This is so alien to me, this idea of just like we needed people to gin up playgrounds. It seems so like, what if we had toys that like kids could come and play with um, as a a community? Yeah, Yeah, it seems like. I think people didn't really see the benefits of play. Uh, until much later I guess that's in true. history. Uh, so the next kind of big moment in playgrounds was in the 1940s and 50s. Uh, that's when uh, adventure or junk playgrounds were started. Oh. Uh, so it was a large lot stocked with building materials. Um, this was started, um, it was actually started in Denmark, but then moved to London in 1946 uh, the concept was that there would be puddles, hills, grass, and no asphalt. The main features were to be, one, enough pipes, ropes, bricks, lumber, hammers, and nails. Uh, where, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> where with very little supervision, children could build and paint playthings that they wanted, like swings, tree houses, and forts. Oh, God. Okay. So on You're one, almost there, guys. You almost got there. On one hand, it's kind of beautiful, right? Like Kind of like Legos. Like, give the kids opportunities. There ain't no nail Lego. Ain't no sharp Legos. <laughs> ain't no sharp Legos. But yes, also, also very dangerous. The other key tenant was a central pavilion for children to get in out of the rain to hold meetings. Hold about all of their injuries where they would do triage on each other. Well, he's got seven nails. You've only got four nails in your hand. So we're going to take him to the hospital first. I think we should stop throwing the hammer at each other. Jimmy, what do you think? Well, I don't know. It's pretty fun. Seconded. (laughs) Um. The first adventure playgrounds were staffed by workers called, quote, wardens. Oh, my God. (laughs) Their job was to unlock the tool sheds at the playgrounds and uh, observe the children at play, assisting them only as necessary so as not to lead activities. Like Jeff Probst on Survivor. Exactly. You got to let them get hurt. (laughs) The workers uh, eventually became known as play workers. It's a lot better than wardens, wardens. (laughs) for sure. Uh, 1950s through Play 70s. Playworkers, though, is very, uh, very, uh, it's very 1984. Oh. Isn't that like, I guess a I little do play bit. work. It's good. It's double good. To me, it makes me think more of, you know, kind of the arbitrary name like retail employees are given to. Yeah. Sorry. It took me a while to remember what the year was from the big book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I, it's so bad in here. Like at Barnes and Noble, you're not like a cashier, you're a bookseller. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like you're a play worker. 
I was a sales associate at GameStop. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I was at uh, Sally Beauty Supply. It's a garbage term. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so in the 1950s through 70s, that's when you started to see novelty playgrounds, which were the things with like rocket ships and animal shapes and tunnels, all made and, of metal. And no hammers? No hammers this time. That's some bullshit. <laughs> but everything was made of metal, so you could still hurt yourself. Okay, good. And then the 70s and 80s is when you started to see more of the rounded edges and hard plastic equipment. Uh, the 1980s to the present is when you saw more of a emphasis on safety. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so, yeah. So I, I remember from my youth, we had the wood chips, um, which you still see today. Mm-hmm. You also see a lot of that kind of springy rubber. Yeah. I remember when they replaced the. So I grew up next to a park uh, in Huntington. I was very mm-hmm. lucky to grow up. Uh, you know, a three minute walk from that park and it had a big, beautiful playground and they have, they have renovated that playground so many times since I lived there, adding that springy ground, adding a, like a zip line. There was a huge, huge like sand pit, uh, mm-hmm. for kids to play in. Uh, and there was like a cement, like tunnel you could go in underground. There was a, so much stuff. It was a dope yeah. playground. I just like. I love the spirit of it. I love the kind of adventure element. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of really appreciate it's you know it's kind of where you you build a little ninja warrior. Yeah, and I like that. Did you have a playground sort of activity you were fond of in school? Uh, I mean, I liked a lot of like hot lava, don't touch the ground, and those little mazes. Okay, uh, that was fun. Um, you know, crawling to the top of the slide where the little thing is and just reading all the graffiti. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I remember elementary school. Doing, oh, and the tire swing, Natch. Oh, you got to. Mm-hmm. I remember in middle school, um, I did a LARP with my friend Taylor for Final Fantasy IV mm-hmm. uh, on the on the big toy, which I've said before and you've chastised I me. actually Googled that. So that is actually like the, the official name of oh. those big structures is oh, the big toy. Good. Yeah, we then, just, I ch- then I chastise you. We just never called it that where I grew up. Um, and we did, we would play Final Fantasy up there, and I had like I had a ring pop. This I remember this very clearly. I had a ring pop, but it was like a magic ring that could shoot fire out of it. It was fun to have. Um, I guess I burned him in the game. That's not as fun. But anyway, I like <laughs> to I like to play sort of in my own mind. <laughs> so this is sort of going back to the friendship segment. And explaining why I didn't have very much of it. <laughs> but now it's getting hard to think about. So let's, is that it? The, the, that was my trip to the playground, yeah. It was fun. Uh-huh. I think going to the City Museum in St. Louis reminded me of yes. like how much I love like playing around on big objects. Yeah, just climbing and sliding and like being up high and, and getting to kind of use your muscles in ways you don't normally. It's good for you. Yeah. I feel like uh, that's what I always want hiking to be. But then hiking, it's never planned out, is it? There's always like that one root on the ground that's going to like pop, pop your ankle a little bit. And it's like that would never happen on a playground. Well, it definitely would happen on a playground, I think. No, because I, it's all flat and safe. It's safe, fun, it's safe flat fun for adults. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for listening to Wonderful. Um, and Can I hear what the listeners sent in? Yeah, we skipped it last week because we just were completely... Did we really? We really did. I felt terrible. But yeah, the listeners sent in some 
I don't know if it was last week. Recently, we, I know we recently skipped it. Uh, yeah, so Catherine says, I love watching experts at work. It's truly satisfying and inspiring to watch a master chef or craftsperson uh, do the thing that they're really, really good at. I agree with this wholeheartedly. Yes, this is kind of our whole thing with reality competitions, I think. Sure. And I mean, I'll also watch like YouTube videos of just like, you know, people who put the pizza boxes together super good. Or, or like if you street go food people. to like a Silver Dollar City and watch somebody blow glass. Oh, so dope. That's also nice. Uh, Corinna says, uh, Taryn Killam's Robin tribute on YouTube. I was listening to Robin's new single when I remembered uh, that this, and it's a link to that that Taryn Killam video uh, happened in 2011 simpler times Taryn in a crop jacket and tight pants busting a move to Robin's call your girlfriend while Bobby Moynihan shines a flashlight in the doorway bonus wonder the song is still a bop I don't oh, know if you've seen I this video about that. The, the original like the song is fucking great the music video is great and then basically Taryn Killam when he was on SNL in 2011 and like a whole big room full of SNL uh, like cast people is a writing night and so it was like 4.30 a.m. and they just recreated the whole music video shot for shot in kind of perfect uh, I was, do you remember the Halloween that I was Robin? Oh that yeah, video? that's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really good video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it very much. Tessie says, you know, when you're hiking in the woods, uh-oh, <laughs> I, can, I definitely copied and pasted this into my document earlier. I guess I forgot. You know, when you're hiking in the woods and you notice that the tree roots have grown in a certain way so that it looks like stairs. When I was a little kid, I went on hikes and I used to think to myself that they were magic trails made by fairies or something. When I see them nowadays, I just think it's really cool. Like the trees just wanted you to have an easier time climbing that hill. Thanks, trees. Just wonderful work you're doing out there, ladies. Oh my gosh, that's really nice. That's really nice. I'm sorry it, I talked like, shit about um, it. Really tree conjures roots. like a very specific visual for me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, really, back to that same park that I grew up next to. I don't think I give that park enough credit. It was formative, just like your church. <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song. Money won't pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, let's say a few words about Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org is home to wonderful, positive podcasts that can teach you a lot and make you laugh. Uh, I always turn to that website every single day, just looking to see what's going on. I'm constantly refreshing it, looking for Mm -hmm. new podcasts and Mm -hmm. new lessons. Um, They have shows like Tights and Fights and Stop Podcasting Yourself. And Oh, I've been wanting to listen to the new Tights and Fights. Because Open Mike Eagle oh, yeah. actually participated in a wrestling match. That's awesome. I'm very curious about it. It's all at MaximumFun.org. We have other stuff at Um, pre, uh, Go buy the Sawbones book. Go to bit.ly slash Sawbones book. Now it's really, really great. And um, you're just going to love the hell out of it. Uh, I think that's it, huh? That is it. Are there any other deep voice songs you want me to cover for you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, can you sing uh, Barbie Girl by Aqua? I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Wow, that's so low. I cannot believe how freaking low that is. Life's fantastic when it's plastic. That's fucking great, baby. I have to record this right now. It's never going to be like this again. You can go my hair, undress me any... Oh, wow. That song is problematic as hell. (laughs) Goodbye.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. The secret is out. I, Open Mike Eagle, officially had a wrestling match. And on the next Tyson Fights, I'm talking all about it. From the rap battles that got it started. Open Mike, you ain't ready. And to how I hurt myself in ways I didn't know I could. That day and the day before, I got so many texts from people who really care about me who were like, please don't break your neck. (laughs) The only place you can get the full story is on the newest episode of Tights and Fights. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts.